Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Now, we are in a marketing mastermind and the question has just been put to the group about sustainability of business and that relates to being able to sleep at night when your overheads are going up, hiring staff, how many should you hire, how do you de-risk and protect when you hire staff if you think I'm hiring up but maybe the, the turnover and the profit aren't there yet. So to summarise, it would be how do you grow your business sustainably and scale it without taking massive risk? So a few things I think to consider are Mark and I, for probably 10 years, have made a goal to draw half our profit and retain half our profit. Now, it depends on the size of your business. And of course, if you're making millions, that's easy. And if you're making not much, it might not be. But free markets rely on competition forces and continual improvement and innovation. And your competitors would naturally unconsciously force you to improve your products and services so that you can get a march on your competitors. And to do that, you need to invest in your products, your services, and your business to improve it. Now, investment always has a cost because time has a cost or money has a cost. So I think the first thing is look at what your net profits are. Look at what you've got in your retained profits, which is profits left in, in the form of cash, not drawn, and make a goal to draw X of it and retain X of it for reinvestment. Now, the, the percentages is up to you and it could change. And what I don't want you to do is go the other way and retain so much out of fear that you never draw enough. Because also you've got to feel like you're earning enough out of your business to feel grateful to be in your business. Otherwise, you'll resent your business if you're working in it all the time and the profit is always a promise for the future, but never today. Now, to track that properly, you need a good set of management accounts. Um, and you can find any set of management accounts off an accountant. You'll have gross sales. You'll have cost of sales. You'll have gross profit. You'll have fixed and variable costs, sometimes called overheads. Uh, then you'll have net profit, retained earnings, kind of in that order. Um, so there's always money. And look, you go through some harder times, so there's less, but there's always money for us, for staff, for marketing, for um, improvement to facilities. So um, this building is getting a bit of a, a freshen up and a rebrand in August because we don't do so many events. Because as you can see, I mean, it's not knackered, but you can just see it's been used. Um, it's like a Peterborough prostitute. <laughs> um, sorry, Harry, you may have to cut that out. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is when you hire staff, try your best to make sure that they're revenue generating and their salary is paid for for the extra income they bring into the business. Now, some staff, that's harder to measure because, for example, if you get a PA or someone in admin, 
they may not be doing income generating tasks. But what you can do is look at their, their tasks and their key result areas. Try and get at least 20 or 30 percent of them as income generating tasks if possible. But importantly, get them to liberate your, in, your non-income generating tasks so you can put your time and your staff's time back into income generating tasks. So all the admin you do, if that's, someone else does that, that might liberate 30% of your time. And then you put it into income generating tasks. It's funny you ask this, Phil, because just this morning, I sent an email to my MD and I basically said, what an amazing job you've done with our sales team. We're just going through the next stage of growth of our sales department. We're getting a sales manager because she's always been the sales manager. But she's MD. And being MD and salesman, we've got 86 staff. So being MD and sales man manager is too much. She's done an amazing job, but it is too much. So we're hiring a, a sales manager. But you can imagine that's going to change the culture completely because they're used to being managed by the MD. And now someone who's just come in who doesn't know the business is going to manage it. So I sort of said to her, do you remember last year when we were really low on bookings team members? And what that was causing was a... Uh, like a knock-on effect of events with lower numbers. And we made the decision together because we had money to invest because we didn't, don't draw all of our profits. Let's hire, let's over-hire in the bookings team. So if we need three people, let's hire six. One, we probably won't keep them all because sales is a bit of a churn from time to time. But two, we know they pay. We know it. So what's the risk? The risk is two, three, six months salary but you only pay a salary every 31 days, a, a 12th of it, and you pay it in arrears. So people see salaries as quite a big risk. It's not. It's the thought of the salary. Because you think, 50 grand, huh? But it's actually four grand in 31 days when you've done your work. And then another four grand in 31 days, 31 days after you've done your work. So in that regard, it's not as big a risk as you think. So... I said to Catherine, our MD, she retained all of those bookings team. We hardly lost anyone. I think we have got one on mat leave, but she'll come back. And I said, what a great job you've done. And now what that's done is created a situation where we can now promote one or two of them into the main bookings team, the BDM roles. And the reason I had no fear of hiring too many people in the bookings team is because I, I knew they'd either pay or if they didn't, it's just so obvious that it's not working. It's... It is almost that binary. So that's something else when you look at who you hire. Um, the next thing is just cash flow. Um, and Dr. John Martini, one of my mentors, he taught me. He said that people we, will react very emotionally and in, in, in an emotionally volatile way. And they'll be susceptible to things like get rich quick when they've got no money or they're in debt. Because you're emotionally volatile and vulnerable. And therefore, you're more susceptible to things that are less proven or more risky. When you've got a lump of cash, Mark calls it a wall, a wall of cash, you make smart decisions. You don't have to make bad decisions. So, I mean, we all know that cash flow is vital for, for your business. But yeah, keeping and holding cash back, um, that'd be the next thing. The next thing I would say, and you, you specifically said sleep at night. So, um, make sure you're not managing too many people because as the founder of the business, your key result areas should be vision, you know, pl the plan or the mission towards the vision should be inspiring and leading the team, should be forging partnerships, taking you into new markets, 
the values, the brand. It's the big picture stuff. It shouldn't, I mean, sometimes it has to be when you're small, but it shouldn't be management, appraisals, admin, meeting after meeting after meeting. Um, and from an emotional standpoint, the more strategic and the less operational you are in the business, that will make it easier for you to, to sleep at night. For me, growth is about prepare for growth, grow, repair after growth, repeat. So we kind of feel like growth is linear. But actually, when you start a business, it takes ages to make any money because you're preparing for sales. And there's always a delayed knock-on effect. Like, for example, if I say to Catherine today, just go higher up everyone, we need and more. Whatever role we need, hire for it and more. It's going to be six months before everyone is actually in role because the amount of time it takes to get a job spec, put a job ad out, find the right person. So there's always that delay. So you prepare for growth, which might be higher up a bit earlier than you're ready. Um, set up some systems and processes. Then you grow and you get to a point in your growth where you're going to create some chaos and some breakage. If not, you're probably not growing quite fast enough. And then you repair it, which is, OK, go back into slightly defensive mode, systemize up, higher up in that and that and that area, fix that problem, fix that issue, get that feedback, create the next version or whatever, or prepare for the next launch. So it's like a, it's like a, a, a trident. It's like three things that you do in cycle. Um, next thing is sales and marketing, or rather marketing and sales, because I think marketing comes before sales. So you know, because you're on a marketing mastermind, that most people don't focus enough on marketing in their business and you focused a lot more on marketing now you're in this marketing mastermind. The solution to all cash flow problems is sales and marketing. Marketing is generating leads, sales is converting leads, simple. So make sure a decent amount of your time is focused on sales. And it's very easy as a business owner to be drawn everywhere. But I like, even as an, a founder of a business, I like every now and again to dip back into sales myself. Um, one, because it keeps me grounded. Because when you sell to people, you have to overcome their objections. You have to know their pains, their problems, their desires. It, it keeps me in touch and not like head in the clouds. Two, it feels good to put some money in the bank. And three, sometimes it's what you've got to do. So um, I was just asked, wasn't I, to share, uh, you know, something that maybe failed. And I'll do that later, but also I'll share something that succeeded. Now, we did a progressive day a couple of weeks ago. So Black Friday has always been brilliant for us. We've done three out of the last four, and we only didn't do one because everyone was expecting it, and I thought it was good for the next one not to do it. But usually on Black Friday, we'll do between 200 and 300,000 pounds of sales on the day. And, and that's good. You know, I'm happy with that. Um, and... I kind of wanted to reinvent that without it being a pull your pants down and have everything of ours really cheap because that can devalue your brand. So it's that balance between getting cash in the bank and, you know, especially if you hold stock, you want to, you want to get rid of it. We don't hold stock so much, but every now and again, you want a 300 grand day or whatever. So my marketing team, really proud of them. They came off this, this idea off their own back and that they, they were inspired by Prime Day 
and our results from Black Friday. And they, they created a, a plan, which was Progressive Day, which was for this day, we're going to allow you to make an offer on the following of our courses. Now, we've learned from previous Black Fridays what works, what doesn't work so well. So we, 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 we tweaked that in. Um, and yeah, we did £200,000 plus in sales that day. And I managed all of the, or most, of the um, bids. So they came into my inboxes and I managed them. Um, and quite frankly, I had a great time. I loved it. I loved negotiating with everyone because I've done it before and I, know I could play fairly hardball on the negotiation. Um, hundreds of messages back and forth that day. Got to the end of the day, 200 grand in the, in the bank. Felt really good. Now, a few days before that, I was probably pissing around on social media and getting distracted and frustrated and overwhelmed. I mean, sort of writing my book and spending all day getting 2,000 words done because I'm going around opening the fridge every five minutes by, because it's my procrastination trigger, opening the fridge. So focusing on sales, sometimes yourself, sometimes your team. You sleep well after a 300 grand day. If you want to sleep really well, have a few 300 grand days. Um, we had a, we had a one point, we had a 1.2 million pound two days. Slept well that night. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I would add that. And multiple streams of leads, multiple sources and leads, sorry, multiple sources and streams of marketing, I think is vital. Because if you rely on one source and that dries up, so does all your business. Now, building multiple streams of leads is not just, right, let's test, let's do 10 Today, let's do Facebook, let's do Twitter, let's do Instagram, let's do LinkedIn, let's do YouTube, let's do Google ads, let's do Spotify ads, let's do Amazon ads, let's do them all today. doesn't work like that. I think whatever your marketing budget is, and you should have a budget, and if you haven't got a lot of money, start with 50 quid a week. Have a budget. Force yourself to start investing in marketing because it's an investment. You have maybe 20% of that as what I call test spend. So of all your marketing budget, 20% is new unproven, where really you've given yourself the permission to waste it. Because if you don't test new ad platforms, you don't get new lead sources. But if you go in with the mindset, well, this has got to work, well, you've never tried it before. So how do you know? So I don't know, we spend anywhere between, we probably spend 140 grand a month on marketing. So really 20 grand of that, the team are allowed to test new stuff and it's kind of accepted if it's not a good cost per lead. Um, so we'd maybe ex accept if it was double the cost per lead or sometimes it doesn't work at all. And then what you do is you ever incrementally increase the spend in the areas that work and you keep tweaking what doesn't work until it does work or you have to drop it. Great, well, thanks for tuning in if you listen to the podcast. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.